Good evening, Patriots. You know, it's an interesting thing when we start looking at all that it's unraveling. And for those that are awake, not those that are deep in the matrix, it's becoming pretty obvious that we're in the home, not of the land of the free, but at the home of those that have been starting wars and suppressing other cultures. And that's going to be a hard red pill for most to swallow. It's equally going to put us under a lot of challenge as to our responsibility in this nation to continue to wake people up and the duration of what that's going to be over time. Before we begin tonight, MyPillow.com, MyPillow.com forward slash Bards. That's the Bards Nation's home landing page on MyPillow site. You can use your Bards code, B-A-R-D-S. That's your promo code for anywhere on the My MyPillow site, Frank's Beach site, or the My Store site. And there's all sorts of amazing deals going on right now. 50% off on My Slippers, 50% off on Sleepwear, Doggy Beds, 50% off. Doggies, I always hear people tell me their dogs like their their doggies like their my pillow beds, and that's cool. And we've got a new Giza, some sort of Giza cotton my pillow super deluxe for like twenty nine ninety nine. I'm gonna have to get one of those and figure out what that's about because the Giza sheets rock. By the way, if you haven't tried those, they're incredible. So head on over to mypillow.com forward slash Bards promo code Bards. You're going to get a free copy of Mike Lindell's book at this point in time if you use your promo code. It's a great book on how an addict became one of America's greatest CEOs. Hint, hint. Christ is at the center of that story. And you know that when you spend your dollars there, every one of your dollars in one way or another is going to support the fight for liberty. Also, the Founders Bible, thefoundersbible.com is the landing page or homepage, the home site of what I consider to be the Bible for our time, an NASB 1995 edition. It's fantastic. So check that out. It's an heirloom quality Bible printed in the United States with our founding father's documents worked within. You can get 20% off if you use your BARDS code B-A-R-D-S. Finally, Expedition, X-P-E-D, ExpeditionCoffee.com. That's the coffee designed for the warriors of our time. Gives you a boost of energy and that sustains across the whole day. Keeps you mentally focused, keeps your head clear, helps boost your immune system. That ties in with other great products on that site that are all designed to boost your immune system and get back your health sovereignty. Those include the Gut Health Triad, which helps heal and seal your, heal and seal your gut. Leaky gut is a major problem of our health in this nation. Also, Immune XP, which is an immune booster based on pine cone extract with high levels of vitamin C. Also, Earth, which is a full body nutrient. Take one scoop, mix it with water, drink it each day. It's all the nutrient base your body needs. And we have Pure 47, the most refined silver extract currently on the market. What I consider a must have for your, cab- for your medical cabinet. Helps isolate pathogens of all sorts especially in this biotoxin environment that we're currently in. So again, Expedition, X-P-E-D, ExpeditionCoffee.com. I want to play for you. This is a, this is a pretty brutal piece uh, as far as this guy is talking to you about what's going on in Ukraine. Um, just listen. It's pretty amazing. 24th of February. The dialer was my American friend from my high school days in the U.S. He was the last person I expected to call, especially at 7.30 in the morning. 
I knew immediately that the war has actually broken out. The beginning of the war did not surprise me. In fact, it's long overdue. What surprised me was the fact that he knew nothing about the suffering that the Russian Ukrainians had endured over the past eight years. Let me get something straight. NATO promised that they wouldn't move an inch to the east. That was a lie. And now we are surrounded by an aggressive military alliance. NATO gladly bombed Yugoslavia under the pretenses of a potential genocide. Did they bomb just military installations? No. NATO destroyed schools, hospitals, bridges, cultural monuments, private businesses, and industrial plants. Did you forget about that? Did you forget about how NATO pumped money and weapons into Georgia right before Georgia bombarded Russian peacekeepers and civilians? Of course you did, because your media doesn't want you to know. Did you forget how yet another territory was ripped away from Serbia? Do you not remember Kosovo? Did you protest then? I bet you didn't and I bet you didn't even care. Did you forget the invasion of Libya? If you're in Europe, you can't forget. Thousands of migrants are your daily reminder of what your governments did to that country. Did you protest the illegal invasion of Syria by Turkey in the US? I bet you didn't. Do you care about Saudi Arabia starving Yemen? I bet you don't. Do you care or did you care about the illegal invasion of Iraq and Afghanistan under false pretenses? What, they aren't people to you? Why haven't you been vocal against the murder of children and civilians at Iraqi and Afghani weddings by American bombardment? Ah, that's right. They're brown people. They're probably worth less to you. Where were your crocodile tears when Kiev started bombarding Ukrainian Russians in the East simply for doing the exact same thing as the Ukrainians did in the West, was to get rid of a corrupt government? Where were your crocodile tears when Kiev shut off electricity and water to Crimea? Where was your save the Ukrainian people when 48 civilian anti-Maidan Ukrainian protesters were rounded into a Union trade house and burned alive whilst those who tried to escape the fiery hell were beaten and shot? Do you by any chance know who the, who the Madonna of Gorlovka is? Do you know who the, or what the Alley of Angels memorial is? Let me give you a hint. People engraved into that memorial aren't alive and they are not adults. Did you shed even one digital virtue signaling tear when the children at the children's beach in Zagres were purposefully bombed by the Ukrainian military using illegal cluster bombs? I bet you didn't, but that's okay. How would you? Your mainstream media. So I'm going to continue with the second part of this, but I just need to give you a warning. There's a couple strong words at the end, a couple F-bombs. But I want you to hear the rest of this. This is another three minutes, so here we go. How would you? Your mainstream media keeps you in the dark. For eight years, the U.S. and its allies have been pumping billions of dollars worth of lethal weapons into Ukraine. For eight years, the Ukrainians have been waging a war with their own people in the East. And for seven years, uh, Russia and the people of the Donetsk and Lugansk republics have been patiently waiting for Kiev to adhere to the Minsk agreements. Should Russia have waited maybe 20 more years? You know, uh, the amount of years that the US spent killing Afghanis? So whilst leaders like Boris Johnson, Joe Biden, Emmanuel Macron, uh, Olaf Scholz and Ursula von der Leyen have been virtue signaling about the poor Ukrainians, they have been robbing the Ukrainians of their dignity, making their economy run on loans from the IMF and basically robbing them of their future. And Russia is to blame when we were their primary trading partner. The West pushed Russia into a corner. Protect yourself from an increasingly hostile neighbor who wants to become part of a hostile military alliance called NATO and lose Nord Stream 2, for example. Or watch 
Russian Ukrainians get slaughtered by the thousands. The West wanted to fight this war with Russia until the very last Ukrainian. Remember Kosovo? Well, the Lugansk and Donetsk republics have every right to exist. Russia didn't set the precedent. Your leaders did when they recognized Kosovo. And final food for thought. Why was there no bombardment of innocent civilians in Crimea, even though it's closer to Kiev than Donetsk is? I'll give you a hint. The actual Russian military was there, protecting the people. Here's another. The Ukrainian army has been fighting this invisible Russian army for eight years now in the East, according to your mainstream media. Why then did the Ukrainian army collapse within 24 hours when fighting the actual Russian military? And since it did, what do you think your tax dollars were doing in Ukraine? That's right, your tax dollars were used by Ukrainians in the West to kill Ukrainians in the East, and you didn't give a flying fuck about it. So if you haven't been following this conflict from day one, and now you put the blue and yellow flag on your photo, wipe away your crocodile tears, please, and find out why your governments have been supporting those who have made a Nazi criminal, Stepan Bandera, their national war hero. Don't expect a good result from pushing a bear and a dragon into a corner. And definitely don't be surprised when that bear and that dragon begin pushing back. So if you haven't been crying for the collectively millions of dead Iraqis, Afghanis, Syrians, Libyans, Yugoslavians and East Ukrainians these past 20 years, but you're crying crocodile tears for Ukrainian military installations, wipe them away and think about what your governments have been doing and what they're still doing. And I hope that this eight year story of a war started by a criminal Ukrainian government against its own people. That's some meat right there, I'll tell you. And I think that it's something to really reflect on. We've gone through a pretty good process in our world in the last six years, eight years of dealing with media and coming to the greater realization that they're lying to us. I don't think we've done an effective job yet, and I think it's starting to happen with Ukraine, to realize that the entire narrative that we're being told of how we are in the world, how we're perceived in the world, the things that we do in the world, is also shaped by a media that is a lying treachery and completely uses every tool in the book to make us believe something that we're not. Our government is not representative of us, and we should be grateful that people in the world don't see us like they see our government. You'll hear all sorts of amazing stories around the world of how much people love Americans. But the American government, the military-industrial complex, the State Department, the CIA, the USAID agencies, our corporations are despicable to a large degree. Nike runs sweatshops and doesn't think twice about it. When I was doing consulting with oil and gas, this was a true story I'm going to share with you right now, and I want you to let this sink in for a minute. I was working on a concept called proactive risk mitigation, something I had developed out of Afghanistan. The idea was that if we could get ahead of a problem using information techniques, information warfare techniques, and engagement strategies, that we could mitigate a lot of the conflicts that were happening 
around the world related to oil and gas. That from a local point of view, the operator point of view, the guys drilling the wells, the explorers going into rural areas, especially villages and places in third world or underdeveloped countries, there was huge opportunity to do good things for people rather than having to wage war with militias or hire them, hire high levels of security if you could bridge a difference and get the locals to be part of your project. And I did a lot of work in this. So I gave a, a, I gave a presentation down at the ExxonMobil building at the top in a very elite room the Exxon room, which is by invitation only, pretty much all men, all lined with black walnut paneling, et cetera, et cetera, views of all over Houston. And at the end of the conversation, one of the guys came up to me, senior oil executive, and he says, I'm not quite understanding what you're getting at. I said, I don't think I understand what you're asking. I said, what the whole presentation was about risk mitigation on the front end to avoid conflict and unnecessary damage to cultures and risk to people. He said, yes, I understand that. He says, but I don't think you understand us. He said, we work on a very simple principle and always have. When we come to a rural village, we either kill them or we move them. I want you to think what I just said. That was comes from a senior oil executive. This is not a sanctioned war. This is the attitude of how to deal with local people. These same people are running our government. These same people are the same types of people that are behind the shot, the injection. They don't care about people. They care about profits. They care about bottom lines, productions. And it's something that our country has been right at the forefront of, along with British and British Petroleum. So, There is a damage around the world of a reputation of a nation that started by putting God on the throne. And over the years, everything that's been done that they could possibly do to destroy other cultures, suppress other people, and use the military arm and the corporate attitude within our culture has been done in the name of God. I want you to think about that for a second. In the name of God. So, I think Galatians 6, 7 comes to mind. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. These times right now are heavy on us in the West because we're not celebrating the big wins. We're suffering the pains of an institution that has used its force on other cultures that has now turned inward to use its evils on us. And we're suffering through this time screaming, please stop, listen to us, trying to use our votes, trying to use our petition power, trying to get people to listen up, and we're finding it falling on deaf ears. But it's not new. That's the problem. It's new to us. It's not new to the world. And what has been happening to us now in this injection has already happened to the rest of the world. The ending part of those videos is an interesting statement. Be careful and don't be surprised what happens when the bear and the dragon unite. That's China and Russia. 
we're, we are being put in a place where we're told to be, that they're trying to take us out, to remove us. But the question I have is, who are the good guys in this fight? And the answer is there are none. And that's the absolute truth. And this goes back to what I said in the previous show. We're in the middle of an elite war vying for power. The problem is that our own country, its people are great. Russia's people are great. China has great people, kind. Our governments are corrupt. This is the part we have to get clear on. And this is where we that walk with God, we that are walking in unison with Christ, we have the common ground to understand this. We have the ability to process this. We have the eyes to see it and the ears to hear it. And it's there that our mission becomes so deadly important, quite literally, in trying to wake up the many to have them join us in this walk, to bring Christ to their life. It isn't just, and I truly mean what I'm going to say here, yes, saving a soul is important, but that's a personal issue. Our mission is about uniting in the body of Christ. That has nothing to do with me or you. It has to do with us, the collective us under God. And that mission is greater than anything, and it's the one mission that we sit on right now that we are on the cusp of either winning or losing. We keep wanting to tell ourselves that this fight's going to go very quickly, that we're turning the tide, that we're waking them up, that we're, we're getting the elites to go on the run. We're not. Okay, not yet. The investments in mRNA have now extended to 20-year contracts. The idea of transhumanism is on full force go. They're not stopping. They're innovating new chips with live biological neurons in them. That has to be coming probably, I would say it this way, it's most likely coming from Planned Parenthood. They're not stopping at the pace that they're going. And I've been saying this for some time. And why I keep saying is pay attention. This is a war of elites. And the war of elites don't care about you or I. And God doesn't fit into their role either. Because if God goes on the throne of these nations, the elites go away. That's the real truth. And it means that our job, our work gets ever more important every day. So what does that mean for us? It means, truthfully, that we have an obligation to walk with God, unlike anything we've ever thought about, and the importance of it only increases. We are in a place right now that we must remember Matthew 4.4. 4. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. That may mean a lot of things to different people. I will tell you what struck me about this today when I read this. And it was so fundamental and so obvious and yet so profound. That in a very simple sense, that without God, we will not survive. And as humanity, without God, we will not survive. We have a collectiveness, a responsibility both to ourselves and our relationship with Christ and to the corporate body of God's children. 
And that's not something that we like to talk about a whole lot because we don't want to think about us having to be accountable for somebody else's sins. And yet, nations will be judged. We have a great responsibility that God's put on us to literally awaken as many as possible and to turn our eyes to Christ and through Christ to the Father. That isn't that isn't something we can take lightly. We're in a war zone. In fact, we've been in a war zone our whole life. The thing is we've been lulled to sleep. This is the mastery of the enemy we face. The mastery of that enemy is literally turned God into a prayer credit card, has turned Christ into a speed bump that you bump every Sunday, and the rest of the week you can do whatever you want, has dethroned God from our country, our country's mantle and thrown God off to the side in which we can go pick it up if we choose one church or another. But it's okay if the churches don't get along because that's my denomination, not your denomination. And even though it's all about Christ, we all have our little clique and we're all better than the other. This is the garbage that's happened within our country. And it has to pain God. We need to be pushing for unity among each other. And there's a stepping with that, in my opinion. There are some that are ready immediately to accept Christ. There are others that are trying to seek out just what that means. And it's our guidance, our stewardship, our mentorship that allows them to see the path and ultimately make the choice. That means that we have to have temperance. That means that we have to have grace. That means that we have to do the walk like Christ. And it's not a choice of whether it's important. It is like the only thing that we way we will survive. That's how big of a deal it is. And it's not going to end anytime soon. The biggest joke for me going every day is reading some of the posts, especially around the Q group, that somehow there is going to be this magical savior and everything's going to happen because Trump or Pompeo or whatever is going to come back and the mod squad's going to come rushing in at the last second and save the world from the brink of disaster and we're all going to be okay. Let me paint another picture for you. This isn't scriptural. This is just current science. Something I've been tracking since 2012 that our fantastic mod today pointed out to me in another video that just came out, and it's pole shifts. Since 2012, I've been tracking the, the magnetic north, which has been moving off of the center every year farther and farther away. Magnetic north is getting so far off, the Navy is having to recalibrate its compasses and its geosplacement every year. What does that mean? Well, we don't know exactly, but we know that historically that the earth is entering into a cycle of two things, a solar minimum, which happens frequently, which means colder zone, and potentially a pole shift. Now, let's put this in real perspective. If something like that happens, it's like taking the earth and spinning it like a dreidel. Everything's going to get turned on its head. You can't prepare enough for it. The one thing that will bring you through this will be the relationship with God. And once again, we're back to the same set. The governments we know will collapse. The currencies we know won't make any difference. That's the magnitude of shift that we could be entering into. I'm using could very carefully because I'm not predicting anything. 
But the only thing that's going to get us through as humanity is us coming together and working together and putting aside our differences. And the only true way to do that is for us to find a center point. And the one center point we should all be able to find is God. Don't worry about the atheists because once the world starts to fall apart, they'll be on their knees anyway because most of them can't survive anyway without some sort of worship. And their worship happens to be the belief that God doesn't exist until such disaster happens that they don't know what to do and then they're going to come crawling back to God anyway. What we need to be working on is getting to people that are out here not even seeing what's going on in the world. I think Paul wrote it well in Ephesians 2, 1 to 10, in a reminder of what we were and where we're going. And he wrote, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were a, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Notice he says that all. No one was excluded from that, which is a super important concept because we're here again now. But God, being rich in his mercy, because of the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by grace, you have been saved, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This is our gift, and this is our time. And we are here in this time, in this place, for a reason. And the world is still spinning off the cliff. And I would argue, and I think I could make a good argument, that as a collective body, a corporate body of God's children, I don't think we've done enough. Sure, we've fought our fights within the family. We've held our ground with no vax. We've slunk away and kept away from the engagement of people because we just can't get them to hear us. We've done all those things, but have we done enough to bring people to Christ and to awaken us as one body within Christ? Have we done enough to open the eyes of so many? Because we once walked in the, in the passions of the flesh. But it was God that gave us mercy. Are we, giving, are we following that path to bring others to that grace and that glory? I think that within the walk in our faith, it is too easy to succumb to the idea that it's me 
and a relationship to Christ. I and my relationship to God. I don't think we think enough about the collective whole. One thing I can say that's beautiful that we've witnessed in Bard's Nation is that we have built a collectiveness, not a hive mind. Get that very clear because we're each unique and beautiful. But we've, we've created a collective body that looks towards each other, shares with one another, and builds fellowship. Now imagine a world where that was standard not rather than being unique. Because what we've created here is very unique. It's very powerful. It's very God-led. And it's one of the reasons I often say that this is the core of the remnant. I truly believe that. And so it is now time for us to try to expand this a bit. We have to try to reach as many as we can, and we also can't forget the fellowship and bonds that we have in times of crisis with one another. Our war is real. And though people are easily swayed by the bombs and the images of explosions and screaming children and all the good things that make for a great Hollywood script and then the reason that they all run to Ukraine when it's all over and forget Canada, our war is very real. Our war is the war that Canadians just went through that prayed for cops and then were beaten by sticks that the cops carried. Our war is the war that we have to watch families divide and still love them. Our war is the war where we have to f- pray for those that are dark and evil, even when we have no stomach for it. Because that's what God's asking of us. And God's not asking us to be weak, and God's not asking us to bend over and become something we're not. He definitely sets a line, that line of tolerance and intolerance which too many people often misunderstand because they say, well, as a Christian, I can't be intolerant. I say, yes, you can. Because there are certain things that you will not tolerate by definition. That is being intolerant of things, or at least you should. Because if you tolerate everything, you stand for nothing. We have to become the mentors for many. And it's as important as as it has ever been. Our nation is not the nation it was designed to be. Our nation has amazing people. Our nation is still, in some people's thoughts, a beacon of hope for liberty and love of God. But that's what the paper says. It's not what the reality shows. As a people, we've drifted away and let our government go amok. And yet in this land, unlike any other country in the world, this government is accountable to and for and by the people. And yet we do nothing. We keep going back to repeat the same thing over and over by definition, which is insanity, by the way. We're going to vote again. Nothing's changed, but we're going to make change. How are we going to make change? Well, we're going to vote again. We're going to vote in bigger numbers. How do you get bigger numbers than what we had on November 3rd? And somehow we're going to magically get a red wave and it's going to turn. And I've literally had people say, well, you haven't, you don't understand. God can do this. And that's how I know we're going to win because we're going to pray and God was going to let let people win. I'm like, God doesn't play politics. He especially doesn't play politics with a despicably corrupt country that his children are letting run run amok 
slaughtering babies on a daily basis because of abortion, killing kids with injections and sterilizing them for generations to come, wiping out their elderly because we as a public cast them off into these internment homes and then cry over, cry over the fact that we can't be with the parents when they died behind a plastic curtain. At the same time, a country that as it works within the world, that the people don't want to see what's actually going on. Oh, war is hell, we say, and yet it's okay, or at least we don't want to know that we had 11 biolabs in Ukraine, that we have biolabs of a level four in Taiwan, that we were funding bio-research in China in the Wuhan lab. What is that about? And people will say, well, we didn't know. Well, we didn't know because we didn't ask, we didn't pursue, we didn't hold the government accountable. Nations will be judged, and they will be judged because ultimately people have a responsibility. You can't, we can't just sit back and say it's okay, or I can't control it. That's another one. And this idolatry that we do of leadership. I mean, we turn presidents into something equivalent to kings and queens. And we know we do it. And it's, it's just something as a nation, we're going through some very big growth pains and we're going to go through some painful periods here. And I think we have to. How are we going to talk? How do, what do you say to Canada? Seriously, what do we say as people in Canada when they say, where were you guys at the beginning of our revolution? And we go, um, well, um, I was getting my account on True Social. What do we say to our Canadian brethren up there? What do we say to our Mexican brothers and sisters in the South when their lives have been shattered and destroyed by cartels that have been organized and funded by our CIA? How do we do that one? How do we explain the children that have been lost and trafficked and killed and just died of basic things like dysentery while we dump billions of dollars of our taxpayer money into some bullshit war in Iraq or Afghanistan and watch billions dump into a desert field when you go down and you sit at El Paso and you look at a small child on the other side of a cheap little fence drinking out of sewer water while you sip on a bottle of water on your side? How does a nation live like that? Because I don't know. And I, as a proud American, I love my country. I love my countrymen, but I despise what's happened in this nation. And I despise even more the difficulty in getting people to stand up and have the strength of God to say no and to reclaim this nation under him because that is our responsibility. That's who we are as Americans. We're supposed to be strong. We're supposed to be bold. We're supposed to have the will to know that when something's wrong, we stop it. Why? Because we walk with Christ, because Christ knew how much to love and when to flip tables. And somehow we seem to forget that flipping tables is not just an option, it's a necessity. There is no possible way we should be dealing with the immigration issue on the southern border the way we are. Not because there aren't people that want to come here, not because we have a fluid border, but quite to the contrary, why aren't we investing in Mexico, getting, helping them get rid of a problem, which, by the way, the drug problem, 
There's another great inversion for you. Why do you think we have a drug problem? Is it because they grow it or is it because we have people that want to use it? And there's your answer. Ask anybody in South America, anybody in Central America, anybody in Mexico that has any dealings or cross dealings with drugs, and this is what they're going to tell you. The Americans, you use it. Why shouldn't we grow it? It's just a crop to us. And you know what? They're right. So again, what's that say about our nation? It says that we've lost our soul. I don't know if you've ever driven through the inner city of in the areas of Philadelphia. It's one of the biggest messes in our nation, that in Baltimore. They, 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 work, they look worse than places I've been in in the worst parts of the world. And the biggest thing that strikes you is that there's no soul left. There's no God there. Not because God doesn't want to be there, but because everybody's run away from him. And they've escaped him, escaped from him, shooting up in the galleries in the, in the abandoned buildings, walking on the streets, beating us up on each other. We have to take this nation back. It's not going to be something that comes back and we sit back and one big sweep of Trump's going to make it all better. And I think what frustrates me the most is that when we look across this nation and we keep doing this, we keep saying like, Oh my goodness, you know, well, who's going to help us? How did we get here? And it all comes always back to the same thing, a nation that made a choice to find something more important than putting God first in every single thing that we do. God loves us. And he's there for us. But I think we have to ask the same question that's put in Galatians 5, 7 to 10. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through a whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will will take you will take no other view the one who is throwing you into confusion whoever that may be will have to pay the penalty except we have to live in it and that's the real truth we have built this mess by neglect by selfishness And it may not be any of us in particular. It might be all of us collectively. And it definitely is some more than others. But the culture of me and the rise of the worship of me has been the most devastating effect we could ever have on a nation built with God on the throne. And that throne right now is occupied by the likes of Nancy Pelosi, Joe Biden, the glitz, of a guy that people worship called Trump because of his self-consumption of ego. We don't have humility in leadership. We don't have the love of God in leadership. And we don't have the strength of a leader that puts God on the first step in everything they do. We need that.
we need that strength. And that's only going to come from us because no one else is going to provide it. And it's only going to come from us doing work on a daily basis, engaging each other, helping each other to awaken, to realize that we don't need them. They need us. But God's calling us. And that's the most important part of it all. We can't miss the call. Our world is not as it seems. And around the world, this is a time that we're going to have to face some hard questions. And appropriately, because that's part of us growing up as a nation whatever that is or whatever that becomes. And the one thing is we can never let this happen again. A nice little catch-all phrase from the Q movement, but it's far greater than that. Because too many people have been damaged. And we're not the only government that's corrupt, and we're not the only country that's living under a tyranny. But we have been the biggest, we have been the most equipped, and we have been the richest. It's time to put God back on the throne. And it's time to get real about the amount of hard work that's going to take at a local and daily level so that we, the people, tell them no and tell God yes. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, forgive us as a people. Forgive us as a nation. For the treachery that we've done to your name and the vision that we were given for this nation. Lord, it's a heavy burden on all of our hearts when we think of the concept of a country that uses the term in God we trust, that uses its power and its might to do everything but that. And to somehow translate in God we trust in a meaningful form that translates always to some form of paper money. Corrupt governments and forced alliances under our brutal thumb. Forgive us. We, the people, have lost our way but are coming back. What we pray for tonight, Lord, is that strength within the remnant that can continue to grow, to continue to be the light, to continue to pray for repentance, continue to seek your guidance, continue to ask for your mercy, not as one voice, but as a unified voice. As we look at our nation with a broken heart, but a righteous fire that says never again. It is time for us to expel this evil, Lord. It is time to cast it off. And we're going to need your help, Father. We are going to need your help. We need to awaken those that are sleeping. To have them realize what they're living in, what the story is they're being told, and what the truth really is. 
And that is such a loaded statement, Lord, that we know. Because those that are still asleep have to confront the layers and layers of things that we have been so blessed to be able to work through over time. But it's time to shake the tree. You've prepared us for this time, for such a time as this. So send me, Father. Send me. And I say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Lots of work ahead. And we can never quit and never think short term. Because no matter even in the best of situations, this is going to be a long haul. God doesn't work in a way where he things just get fixed quickly and it's all better. It takes time because in his loving way, it's the only way that we grow and awaken and get stronger. It's being purified through the fires. But that doesn't, it also means our responsibility to him grows. We'll do it. We'll make it. But we have to, each of us, make that decision to climb this mountain. This is not an easy mountain to climb, and it's not for everybody. And it's also going to require that we stay together. We have to help one another, because there's times that even the strongest, when they climb the mountain, may make a misstep. We have to continue to push forward. Some will climb to the peak. Others will rally those from below. But in the end, we're trying to bring us all back home. So keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. Our prayers are so important right now. Prayers for each other. Prayers for healing. Prayers to just continue to build that close intimacy with Christ and with Father. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God will always win. But we're here in this time, in this place for a reason. It's for such a time as this. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Mission forward. Have a very blessed night. I will see you tomorrow afternoon for Bended Knee, 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. Until then or until the next time. God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. All this time we had to prove that we could stand here too. All the nights been pushing through, fight for all we had to lose. Reaching out for something to pull us up to the level ground. Oh, I can see it now. I can see it now. Stay away.
sets down over the hill where the lost got found. Reaching through somehow. Oh, you're an island when the world is too loud. When the seasons change, I know the space between us will stay the same. Resting on this faith, when your soul answers calls far away. Safe place to hide from the rain. 